the Sacred Dynamics podcast explores some of the biggest topics of our time, including the true nature of reality, the healing and awakening process, the evolution of consciousness, deception on the path, natural law, and daring to tackle the greatest of all quests, the journey of self-realization. Through conscious awareness and the law of correspondence, we engage individually and thus collectively in the restoration of humanity, embodying life itself, and our symbolic relationship with nature. Dear Sacred Souls, welcome to the 17th episode of the Sacred Dynamics podcast. In our last episode, we unpacked the trippy topic of the psychedelic renaissance, shredding the resurgence of interest in psychedelic substances in the realms of psychiatric and holistic wellness. We discussed the historical and contemporary roles of psychedelics, their applications, legal aspects, and their effects on the human mind and body, covering their potential in treating mental health issues as well as their role in spiritual awakening and, of course, their role in self-realization. And now, today, in this episode, we will expand on our conversation from last episode 16 on psychedelics with an amazing guest. We will reveal the story of the infamous Amanita Mascaria mushroom and its hidden in plain sight esoteric narrative. We will discuss breathwork as the profound teacher, discuss music and the gateway to healing and realization. We will discuss lucid dreaming and how anyone can practice and lucidly navigate. The Swedish Iceman mm -hmm. and how ice is so hot right now. <laughs> how, uh, how this leads to self-realization and, of course, the Golden Nuggets. Mm -hmm. And before we introduce today's guest, I would like to call upon the continuously present and always relevant Brother Jay. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Roe. Thank you very much. Always grateful to be here and now. Thank you for your amazing kind words and sentiments, my brother. Thank you, dear Sacred Souls, for being here and now with us in this Sacred Dynamics podcast. Beautiful. So let's begin without further delay. Welcome, Brother Eric Cassano, to the 17th episode of the Sacred Dynamics podcast. Hey, it's really, really great to be here. Thank you all so much. It's a pleasure to have you here, Eric. Thank you very much for giving us the space and time. And we are super excited about the conversation that we are just about to kick off. Mm -hmm. It's super interesting with lots of topics of interest. And uh, hopefully our audience, our sacred souls, enjoy this one. Oh, yeah, I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. <laughs> where, where, where should we kick it off, Ro? How should we start it? Well, I think that uh, it would be great, Eric, if you can share a little bit about your your story. Who are you? What have you been up to? You know, uh, what trajectory in these profound practices and modalities you have? And, uh, you know, why don't we start with that? Yeah, excellent. So that question is so multi-layered, but I can just give you the cliff notes, I suppose. Um, <laughs> can you guys hear me okay? Awesome. Absolutely. So when I was, uh, so I'm, I just turned 40, by the way. Hey, and, uh, happy just, birthday. <laughs> thanks. Happy thanks. Birthday. <laughs> I did a, I did a roast for my birthday. So I got roasted by all my best friends. They just made fun of me and <laughs> it was, it was, uh, 
it was amazing. It, it's I, I, I felt the love. They, I guess it's like a humiliation ritual, but afterwards I felt like no one can touch me and I feel the love. So that was fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when I was 27, I had a, a Kundalini activation and, and I activated my Kundalini energy by myself in a scummy apartment in Hollywood. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't know very much about psychicism or healing or enlightenment or eight limbs of yoga. I had no idea about any of those kind of things. And I activated my Kundalini by reading this book called The Idiot's Guide to Chakras. <laughs> kind of silly, but uh, you got to start somewhere, I guess. And in this book, it said that I can awaken my Kundalini by holding my breath and doing my Kegel exercises. So I said, yeah, let's give it a go. But when I did this practice, I believed that I was going to have this mystical Kundalini experience. And, and so within four minutes of holding my breath and doing my Kegel exercises, I had a full-blown Kundalini activation. Now, I don't think my Kundalini actually went to my seventh chakra. I believe it went more to my sixth. So I didn't have that, uh, which can be really intense. Uh, but my Kundalini experience was amazing. It lasted about six months. And during those six months, I, um, I felt parts of my brain unlocking. I had a lot of energy. My heart was blasted open. It was like being on ecstasy for six months. And, uh, and I could retain information a lot quicker than I ever could before. And during those six months, I was on Google a lot. And what is a pineal gland? What is Kundalini? All these very basic questions. So that's how my spiritual journey sort of began. Um, I had what's called a premature Kundalini awakening. And while everything is perfect, like uh, Jay, as you say, Swiss time, Swiss watch, Swiss watch, the, <laughs> the perfection of time, which, which I really, I really see. So saying a premature Kundalini awakening is only one perspective. And, sure. and when someone says that it, it just means that I didn't learn about meditation, fasting, detoxification. Um, so I, there's so many aspects of healing my body. I didn't understand before awakening my Kundalini. So now coming full circle, um, I've learned one of the most important aspects of awakening your Kundalini is doing a lot of breath work because <laughs> we detox 70% of toxins out of our breath. So learning how to do rebirthing breath work and holotropic breath work and different forms of pranayama is essential. It's, it's the key to raising your Kundalini so you can get rid of all your traumas and blockages before you have that spiritual experience. And the way my teacher Mahesh has explained uh, breathwork to me, he said, and, and I've seen it in my own life, if you just do a ton of breathwork and meditation, mantras and things like that, stretching, then your kundalini will just naturally raise. It will be a lot more fluid and easy for it to come up. Um, and and really, and, and that's, that's what breathwork does. It does awaken our kundalini naturally. Some people feel it in one session, but if you do it all the time, it's it's very present in your life. So that's just the beginning of my... Uh... Wow, he came in strong right from the start, from the get-go. <laughs> what is that? What do you think this is? I, I just wanted to jump in for a sec because obviously this is very, uh, very uh, close to our hearts here because, you know, episode two explains uh, Sacred Jay's Kundalini uh, experience, mm. which happened many, many years ago and was uh, very, very exotic and profound. And so we have a very... We've, we've had an alignment, brother, for many years... And uh, I just love how you how you mention it because, of course, from one perspective, you'd say that you go, "Oh well, that was uh, you know that's a surprise." I mean, that came out of nowhere. But you have to be ripe for anything to take place. So 
you know, it's pretty amazing. And then from there, I also love the reference, and I think we're going to dig some more into it because I love the breath, love doing breath work, love, you know, rebirth breathing, love holotropic breathing, love different, uh, you know, different breath holds and different ways to engage with the sacred teacher. So I think we're coming in strong already, huh? <laughs> Bro, you need oh, to, yeah. and you need to, uh, Eric, you need to, uh, episode two, I, I believe episode two row is the, is, uh, my Kundalini awakening, uh, experience. So anyway, that will be, uh, so we got a lot of parallels. So anyway, let's I, continue. I'm going to have to listen to that. I, I, <laughs> yeah. <geez. laughs> yeah, please do. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's quite profound. Actually, there's a lot that came cool. from that and a similar, actually in, in, in a similar way where I also describe it as. Uh, you know, it came in a very surprising form. Not that for myself, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, initial engagement of different different levels of attention and, and different practices, but it's like that baby comes in hot uh, all of a sudden for sure. And so, awesome. And this, this uh, uh, raises a question for me. Um, once this Kundalini energy rises, uh, is this something that may go unnoticed that's a good question i mean for me and my personal journey it was it was in my face it was bliss it was magic i think for the most part you can notice it i've i i believe maybe you can get little bits of kundalini without noticing but i believe that you're going to feel bliss and happy and see all your all the things in your life line up but really it's it's they say kundalini is pure psychic energy and um, so I think it's I think it's quite blissful um, for the most part. So I, I and I think if you're meditating and going internal, you'll you'll feel it whether you're releasing happy chemicals or you can concentrate better or um, your heart is just I think a big part of yeah. Kundalini is your heart is really yeah, open. It's like complete expansion, mm -hmm. heart expansion. Mm -hmm. I, I have heard uh, to, to respond as well, uh, Roe, to that, um, you know, I have heard. Uh, this is all upon interpretation, of course, because, you know, I've had clients along the path that suspect that they may have uh, released some level of kundalini, but at, in the same token, you know, people can take things, you know, uh, quite differently. And so, you know, someone could be, for example, this is, uh, this is actually really a great segue because in psychedelics, for example, someone could take uh, you know, psilocybin, and one person could really <clears throat> freak out. They just, they're not, they feel that they're losing control of a certain level of condition that they're used to, and they start to freak out, and it gets really uncomfortable, and there's people that are just step right into uh, the dissolving factor and things. And so I think that potentially as well, the interpretation in the Kundalini could be similar where, you know, um, for example, you know, I've also heard of kundalini release where there are different blockages or maybe it's trauma material or whatever you want to call it but there are these blockages and so upon a certain level of activation there can be some detrimental uh, sensations and people have gone through some difficult like they'll call it the kundalini flu or you know different things like that and kundalini syndrome kundalini like syndrome that. yeah so uh, it's interesting it's all on interpretation in some senses too right and, yeah, and everyone and, and everyone has a very unique experience with kundalini. It works with people really differently. Some people have their kundalini come up through traumas. Some people have it come up through psychedelics. Some people have it come up just through 
releasing and surrendering and relaxing. There's actually two ways to bring Kundalini up. And one is actively, and that's the stuff I'm into, and you know, the breath work and the Kegels and the psychedelics, whatever. And the other way is passively, and that's just surrendering, which we all need to do. And I think the key is both, mm -hmm. right? And that's really the key to eight limbs of yoga and enlightenment. It's like, yes, we're working on concentration. Yeah, we're breathing, but we're also completely surrendering to reach those states of samadhi one day, potentially, mm -hmm. in theory. Yeah, well, I mean, wow, that's... theory Theory is, you know, theory is one thing, but, you know, walking across the rainbow is pretty awesome, too. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what were you going to say, Ro? I just think that, that there there might be um, people that have <clears throat> definitely awakened the Kundalini energy, but uh, in a sense, uh, live without actually knowing it. You no, know? uh, there's some sort of naiveness in mm. this, you know, because it's so, mm -hmm. sometimes it, it could be so subtle that you're super happy, you're in super bliss, your heart is open, but you didn't probably register the moment that it took place, mm. Mm. just as a possibility, but, you know. I th Yeah, I think if someone has a really healthy lifestyle and they're always happy and all they know is being high on Kundalini, so to speak, then maybe they have no idea. They're just like, oh, my life's just good. Isn't this what it's supposed to be like? Aren't we supposed to be blissed out? <laughs> have good dreams? Yeah, what's wrong with this? So, yeah, yeah. Well, interesting. The, the, other, the other way to look at it, of course, is, you know, through my own personal experience and journey, another way to understand it is the Kundalini Shakti is this uh, level of uh, uh, you know, this level of, we're going to have to call it for what it is. All experience is mind. It's all through the mind. And so it's a certain level of intensity, of vibrancy that is released, like the technology releases and opens and floods more of this life force, uh, you know, uh, Shakti through the body. And, but that said, realization is not an experience. Realization is the revealing of your true nature. And so it's very interesting because now, you know, we're going to where we describe that we have some different levels of significant experience. And then for myself, I popped right out into uh, complete spaciousness with no experience for some time where it was just, it's just self. There's nothing else. There's no experience. There's no body. There's no space. There's no, I mean, there's nothing but space. And the oneness. Yeah. And, and that, this, this beyond uh, comprehension, beyond expl explanation, that came within a package of a portion of this release. And so, you know, I've talked to uh, some that have released Kundalini Shakti and are, and still aren't in the, uh, aren't flowing in a realized state. Like I reached what would be called in the yoga tradition, Nirvikalpa Samadhi, which is temporary, a complete realization, temporary. So it lasts mm -hmm. and then it starts to wane as the uh, yeah. samskaras start because there's still seeds that want to pop and things still want to come forward and, and actualize. And so anyway, we could, t I mean, Absol we could just absolutely. spin around this one all... <laughs> <laughs> we could do the whole podcast. On it. <laughs> yeah. I know. Uh, I'll say one more thing about it. Um, uh, mine also went down because uh, because I, I I blew mine open with you know with the breath hold and the kegel lasted six months and after and I didn't really do much practice during those six months. So after it went back down, 
at the end of the six months, well, I had a new job and I had a new apartment and had new knowledge and I felt good, but my, I felt normal again. And so the first thing that came to my mind is, well, how do you get it back? <laughs> so it took me six years to realize pranayama breath work is how you get it back because that's mm. deep breathing is just part of the human experience in my opinion. Well, that's, that's, part of the, yeah. Part of the enlightening that, experience. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's super interesting because this wanting it again, uh, it's also related with any type of psychedelic or, or substance. And, uh, why don't we jump in into that territory? And, yes, uh, please. Eric, please uh, share. Uh, when was your first experience with psychedelics? How was that? Well, I, I suppose it would be the first time I smoked uh, cannabis when I was 14. <laughs> I had a 14-year-old cannabis story, too. That's so funny, bro. <laughs> it was, uh, you know, I, when I was younger, I didn't realize, you know, that this is like a a spiritual experience. I, I, I had no idea. Um, <laughs> uh, cannabis was good in the beginning, but I think like a lot of people, definitely I, I'm speaking for myself here. Um, we end up abusing cannabis cause we don't know any better. And, uh, and I grew up in Mississippi and it's just, uh, and, and I mean, I grew up in a middle-class family, so I, I feel very blessed and privileged and everything, but, um, it, it, I definitely use cannabis to numb out some of the things I couldn't handle in life. And it definitely like, gave me a lot of good times and brought me to good places. But uh, besides the cannabis, my my first experience with uh, more high level psychedelics would be with uh, Cubensis mushrooms when I was 15. And um, me and my buddies, we went and picked mushrooms uh, from, you know, from the cow poop and uh, cooked it up. Uh, we all drank tea and geez, we became we became such a unit. We all became so close. And again, I didn't know it was a spiritual experience. I didn't know if they were good for me or bad for me. I couldn't wrap my head around. I knew I enjoyed the, I, I enjoyed taking mushrooms and I always realized really cool things, but it wasn't until I was well into my twenties. Uh, well, after my Kundalini experiences, when I realized that, that mushrooms are this incredible plant, that's very similar to DMT, you know, psilocin and DMT are only different by one oxygen molecule. And, um, and so once I started taking mushrooms in my late twenties, early thirties, that's when I really realized like, oh, this is, this is, this is a great medicine. This is one of the, the best, I mean, this is, this is amazing. It's, it's healing me on some subtle levels. Uh, I, I learned to surrender on the psilocybin or psilocin and, and by, um, cause you can take that medicine and walk around and play music and talk mm -hmm. and it's super great. But if you put on a blindfold and you lay down for four hours during a psychedelic experience, that's when I feel like it can really do psychic surgery on you. And it can really um, <laughs> turn off all your negative habits if that's what you desire. And I, and I want to tell you guys this, uh, a few months ago, I, I, um, I had a psychedelic experience um, where I decided to chant the whole time while on the mushroom. And what I did was I repeated Om Tara because I'm really close to Green Tara. Ah, and that's okay. a, she's we a can, healer. We can mm -hmm. talk about that later. And she's, she's my really good, uh, she's my really good friend. And so I realized that if you chant a particular thing on psychedelics, you get to uh, navigate the ship in a particular place that you want to go. In other words, you can make the specific changes in your brain that you want to make because uh, psilocybin, 
uh, ayahuasca, DMT, these things very much work on the conscious mind. So what you're consciously experiencing is going to program your unconscious mind. Now, Amanita, muscaria, a legal plant medicine, which is my new favorite, by the way, that very much works on the unconscious mind. And that's what's really fascinating. And once again, so DMT, psilocybin, ayahuasca, um, these things help you with your relationship with uh, with other people and, and universal sort of um, like cosmic relationships and stuff. It will help you heal your, your relationship with yourself to a degree, but the Amanita specifically helps you heal the relationship with yourself. And, it, and again, it works on the unconscious mind. And if you take decarbed Amanita, we'll get into what that means in a second. Um, if you take Amanita, you, you, ideally you should take it before bed and it helps you sleep. So I've always had little sleep issues. So now I take Amanita before bed and I sleep deeper than I've ever slept in my whole life. And while you're under, as you're sleeping, the Amanita works on your subconscious mind. It pulls out the garbage and throws it away. And it's so loving and it's the power mushroom. It's the heart mushroom. It's the Mario mushroom. It's the Santa <laughs> Claus mushroom. I mean, I love how you said this mushroom is <laughs> hidden in plain sight. Mm -hmm. I always tell people that, you know, I, I, I love telling people, um, well, first of all, like uh, in Sweden and in America, but really in Sweden, everybody is taught their whole life that the Amanita muscaria is poisonous. Mm -hmm. That's I what, if you bring it up, too. first thing they say, it's so funny. I like, it's like clockwork. And, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm like a silly little monk and I just, I love to, I love to blow people's minds. I don't know. It's the, it's the kid in me that just like, Hey, did you know you can drink your pee and it's good for you? And you know, the average, uh, you know, <laughs> the Shivambu jumps in. What? Oh, that's crazy. Uh, but anyway, um, this thing with the Amanita, it's, it's hidden in plain sight. And I say, if Amanita is so mediocre, if it's so poisonous, why is it the emoji on your phone? <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. The yeah, only it, mushroom emoji that you have. Hidden in plain sight. Yep, yep. It's not a, they don't put reishi on there. They're not putting chantarellas on there. They're putting Amanita, which is really fascinating. I mean, Amanita is surrounded by cults, gatekeepers, and misinformation. And while it is legal, there, uh, it's it, it's um, it's not FDA approved until recently. Actually, uh, there's a new product called uh, from the company called Psyched Wellness, and they have released the first ever Amanita product, and it's a tincture. It's called Calm, and it will help you sleep. So they are extracting the muscimol. Now let's talk about why people think Amanita is poisonous. And I mean, this is a simple Google search, but Let's talk about it. So if you eat Amanita raw, if you take the mushroom and you just munch it down, um, if you eat too much of it, you're going to feel sick off of a chemical called ibotenic acid. And apparently ibotenic acid in small amounts is actually good for you, but ibotenic acid um, in large amounts can be neurotoxic apparently. So your liver and your body, it's, it does this thing called decarboxylization. So we call it decarbing for short. And that basically means they're taking away some oxygen molecules. And uh, your body turns the ibotenic acid over time into muscimol. And muscimol feels very good. It's all healing, all good. It's incredible, helps you sleep. It's a beautiful chemical. So the truth is you can just decarb your Amanita yourself. 
and it's a very easy process. All you have to do is simmer some amanita in lemon water for about an hour, and that's it. And that changes the ibotenic acid to muscimol. So once you decarb your amanita, you can strain it and then drink the tea, and you will sleep better than you've ever slept in your life. <laughs> and you know, just real quick to expand on this decarb thing, you can also decarb psilocybin mushrooms or cubensis. So if you grind up mushrooms and you put some fresh lemon in uh, your grinded up psilocybin, um, it changes the psilocybin to psilocin within 30 minutes. It requires no heat. And then whenever you eat it, it'll kick in in 10 minutes rather than an hour. So with cannabis, for example, it's THCA is in there. And if you put cannabis in an oven for, I think it's about 20 minutes, 200 degrees or so, it changes the THCA into THC, so it becomes more orally active. It's another version of decarboxylation. So, uh, but the, so that's like the a pre pre digestion. That's like it's the yeah, it's exactly. an alchemization process. So you're pre alchemizing it so that you can absorb it and and utilize it and and uh, and have it apply directly in 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 mm -hmm. less time, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And um, so, oh, and, and the decarbing of the of the amanita, it's. It's really, it's a fun process because it takes so long. I've actually, I would take three hours. I would decarb it for three hours, but I found one hour will do the trick. And as you're decarbing this mushroom and the, the, the steam from the, from your pot goes into your nose and you can smell it. That was the first time I started communicating with the Amanita. And I went into a meditative state as I'm, you know, simmering, not cooking, but simmering this Amanita and the mushroom says, what do you want? <laughs> it's like, really? It's like, yeah, let's talk. And I was like, well, you know, I, I want to make more money and I want to like, you know, I want to pay my bills and I want to be happier. <laughs> All, the standard basic, you know, base model. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it's like, okay. And it, and it's just showing me slow and steady, baby. And, and because um, cubensis can be so explosive, you know, this is something that you want to work with often. And just like you have to take an hour or two to decarb it, it's going to take a long time to work with your consciousness. Now you can have a perf you can have a great night taking amanita once, but I think you need to take it like three nights a week consistently for it to really work and for you to see it really work in your life. So if anybody wants to know more about amanita muscaria, they can go to amanitadreamer.net. And this lady, I don't know her real name, I just call her Amanita Dreamer. She has put out so much content on amanita, and YouTube has censored her and. And she has a, um, on her website, theamanitadreamer.net, she has all of her videos um, that have been censored. What do I say? Un Deplatformed? Um, it's all her uncensored stuff. Mm. <laughs> and and she has a lot of videos on it. And, and she reveals a lot of info about it. And she's been taking it consistently for a <clears> while. <throat> and you really can see what it's done to her life. And a lot of people get off benzos taking Amanita. Or they get off, or, or they... They heal their stress uh, or their sleep issues. And for me, I've always had a little bit of sleep issues. It's probably why I got into lucid dreaming and a plethora of other. Uh... Which we're about to, we're going to hop into that in a sec too. But I want to, I just want to, yeah. I just want to stop the soul train only for a second mm -hmm. so that mm -hmm. we can back up because there's a few, there's a few things I want to comment on. One is just for the audience, because you know, there are people listening that could have experience with this and there's people listening that probably don't. But a couple things. One, this uh, this amanita, uh, 
is there a psychotropic effect? Is there something, because, you know, people are always, there's a concern with what type mm. of, you know, how, how mm. psychotropic is it? Or so is there that? That's one that I'm, and I'm, I'm just going to hit a few. One, is there some level of psychotropic effect to it? And two, what, how could you describe how it's working on the subconscious for our listeners so that mm. they could, they could grasp uh, uh, the, how you're describing that because I feel that descriptive but how could you describe how you could say this is working on the subconscious and this was what uh, you know your experience so that our audience could understand cool so the active ingredient um, in Amanita as I said is called uh, muscamol or I believe it might be pronounced musamol that is absolutely psychedelic now when you begin your Amanita journey it's recommended that you start microdosing it so on a micro level, it may not feel super psychedelic. It may feel like a sedative, but I've taken high amounts of it and it is absolutely psychedelic. Okay. <laughs> uh, the visuals um, are, as I'm going back to sleep while being on Amanita, the visuals are, are quite mild, but I've had one or two journeys where the visuals were full blown. I mean, I'm talking sacred geometry spinning in my face as I'm falling back asleep. Um, sometimes I remember my dreams on Amanita. Sometimes I just totally black out. But for me, uh, dream recollection has everything to do with my lifestyle. So if I'm not meditating, no dreams for you. <laughs> you know, mm. Eat a lot before bed and don't meditate. No dreams for you. Don't eat. Do a little mantra and breath work before going to sleep. Hey, I get to perhaps be lucid or at least have really good dream recollection. So Amanita is psychedelic um, because of the muscamol. And I know that it takes, so when I first started taking Amanita, uh, I started, I only started in July. So I'm actually pretty green. I'm pretty fresh. Uh, I've been studying it for like eight years. I've been really interested in it for a long time. And I've understood the decarb process for a long time. But it wasn't until July that I, I that something told me, whether it's myself or spirit or whatever, I just said, I'm I'm ready for this. And I cooked my first uh, batch and I started doing it. Sorry. I cooked my first batch and I started doing it every day. And um, one of my, I think it was my fourth night taking it, it gave me kind of like, dare I say, I don't believe in bad dreams. It gave me sort of weird, uncomfortable dreams that looked like a horror movie. And I don't really watch horror movies anymore. And so when I woke up and I was like, why did I, why is Amanita giving me these strange dreams? It's because it's taking out old programming, old subconscious garbage, ripping it out of my subconscious mind, throwing it away and saying, you don't need that anymore. And one thing Amanita Dreamer says is that Amanita will sometimes take crap out of your subconscious mind, throw it away and not show you that it's so dark. It doesn't even want to show you. But for me, I, I want to see <laughs> what are you taking out? What are like, you working on? What was and, in and there that I forgot okay. about? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Yeah. And Amanita's like, okay, you want to see, I'll show you. But after having these like, you know, uncomfortable dreams, so to speak, I wake up feeling amazing. I'm not like, oh, that was weird. And because I mean, I'm, I'm, call myself a pro at interpreting dreams it's in at least for myself and for other people i teach people to interpret their own dreams i you know people come to me and say oh what is your what does my dream mean i and i tell them well how about i teach you to interpret it yourself mm -hmm. because i don't if it's filtering through my consciousness then i'm just putting my ego imprint on what i think your experience means so 
you know, that's, that's the real jam is like helping people understand themselves rather than me tell them what I think it means. But anyway, um, Amanita is just, yeah, it, it's, and the more, the more I take it, uh, the, the lighter my dreams get. Um, it's worked on me so much these past six months and my, I've always had sleep issues. I, I, I was never a horrible insomniac, but I definitely, I mean, I, I can't, I could kind of blame my birth trauma. So let's just to touch on this a little bit. There's something I, I read from Leonard Orr and it really matches up. So before I go any further, truly we can work through anything. You can have the worst birth trauma in the world and with a good lifestyle, you can work through it. So I'm not trying to blame my mom or, or. <laughs> and if hospitals. she's listening, sorry, ma. <laughs> but uh, so I was a late baby not horribly late. Some people are like, I've met people who are like a month late, you know, and what is late? That's just like a, they just give you a, a rough due date. So whatever. I, I came out of the womb a little late, maybe five days late. Uh, I didn't want to come out and I was a C-section baby. So C-section people have a plethora of issues and, <laughs> and things. And people who are born late have a hard time waking up in the morning. Mm. And that is, that is accurate. And people who are born on time and have a smooth, easy birth, oh, they wake up super easy in the morning. And and I have, I have not only did I read this, but I've asked tons of people to see if it was accurate, and it and it totally is. But again, you can work through anything. So you might be a late baby, and maybe you develop some really good habits as a as a child or a teenager, and you don't really have that issue anymore. So for me, I um I I've always loved sleeping in. I've always loved staying awake and. Yeah, partly partly my birth trauma, partly lifestyle habits, but the Amanita puts me right to sleep. It makes sleeping just the most joyful, joyous, comforting. Oh, thank you. I feel like I'm being taken care of as I'm sleeping. It works on my subconscious mind and I wake up feeling more motivated than ever. That's another side effect of Amanita. I actually become more motivated, um, which I've lacked motivation to be perfectly honest. Uh, <laughs> so look, so if I'm going to compare cannabis to um, Amanita, apparently they both work on something called the GABA receptors, which I know very little about. But with cannabis, it sort of affects your memory. And, and, and I'm just generalizing here. And everybody you know, has their own experience in their own. Uh, everybody works very uniquely with plant medicine, but I'm just going to generalize a little bit. So most people who smoke a lot of cannabis, um, it affects their memory negatively. And it tends to affect a lot of people's motivation negatively. So with Amanita, it actually enhances your memory and actually gives you motivation. And funny enough, they're opposite colors, right? Amanita is red and, and cannabis is green, but <laughs> not saying anything that's green is bad. But this is what I also feel really, uh, what I think is really uh, interesting about Amanita, the fact that it's the colors red and white. So what else is red and white? Well, when you ferment urine, it becomes red and white at the bottom. Mm. Moon blood and semen is red and white. From the Vedic perspective, kundalini energy coming from your Eden Bingala is red, red and, and white, white mm -hmm. as it wraps around you. Um, what else is red and white? I mean, those are oh, the spiritual bones. colors. I mean, the red and white yeah. are the are known as the spiritual colors. So, absolutely, red. You can yeah. keep going. I mean, you're going to start getting into Santa Claus yet. The Canadian flag, Mario, Santa Claus. And Canadian flag. <laughs> and the totally. Wine. And what? The wine. Red wine. Red and beautiful. White wine. Well said. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> One more for the collection. Yeah, totally. Wow. Wow. 
This is interesting. And uh, I have a couple of questions, Eric. Like uh, you were talking about uh, psilocybin and using it while you are awake and mm. also, uh, you know, chanting. It's a good thing to, mm. to, to mix in the in the process. Uh, would you say that Amanita is best applied while in the in the dream state or it also works uh, miracles while awake? Well, if you take, um, like I said, if you take small amounts of ibotenic acid, apparently it's really good for your waking life because then you can focus. And I don't have a lot of personal experience okay. with the uh, ibotenic acid. If you take it decarbed and you take enough of it, you're just going to fall asleep. It's just going to pass out. But at the same time, I've also taken pretty high amounts of, uh, of decarbed amanita. And I did breath work and I chanted. And it seems to really love when we do ritual. Um, so I think it's best to take at night, but you know, I don't think it's going to hurt if you do it in the day. Boom. <laughs> and get on it. And, yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all about experimentation as long as we're doing safe experiments, I guess. But <laughs> I, I'd like to point something out. I just want to mention something wrong. I think you have something else to say as well, but I just wanted to jump in one and, and just make one point, which is what you're mentioning about the sleep. I think it's really, again, if we reference the, the, the yoga tradition and we recognize the states of consciousness, and we look at, you know, the, the, the traditional three, three states of, of consciousness that are referred in the fourth state being Turiya or the fourth state being the complete, the self, the realized state, and which is always here now. And I just find it really interesting because as you're talking about how it's working with your sleep, you know, what we learn from uh, our own investigations, and I know that you're a dream investigator and, and, you know, and so what we learn from our investigations is, when you get into the deep sleep, when you get into where you just drop out, right? No body's there. No, there's no objective reality there. And what's so profound is that's really where you're coupled with your with source. That's really where you have the coupling. And so it sounds like this the the mushroom. There's this drawing effect to your natural state, which is the self. So I see this instantly. I see a very significant connection between self-realization from the uh, non-objective state from the complete state and how it seems that that uh, beautiful uh, naturally reoccurring plant or a, a spore or you know mushroom whatever the family they're in it's just so interesting that what is it doing it's leading you to your uh, deep yoking it's leading you into your yogic state right would you agree mm -hmm. that that's kind of mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. totally. <laughs> yeah, because because that's that's um, you know lucid dreaming can be defined as a a side effect of meditation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, and and it's like you said, it's the yoking of of ego and spirit, or the unconscious and the conscious. Mm -hmm. So when we're under the you know those those intense REM experiences when we're dreaming, if we're not lucid, then it's just like our subconscious takes over, mm -hmm. and when we're awake, our for the most part, our conscious mind has a has uh, it has some <laughs> it plays a role. But mm -hmm. when we're lucid in our dreams, that's when our conscious and unconscious mind really like marry each other for those moments or mm -hmm. however long it can be. So I I think um, Amanita is going. I it's it definitely Amanita really encourages me. Like all plant medicines for for me, um, Amanita really encourages me to do that inner work. It encourages me to meditate. It encourages me to chant. It encourages me to breathe. And it loves when I 
wake up in the middle of the night and do some Bastrika pranayama and hold my breath and do my kegels. You know, the, the Amanita really loves that. And then it's like, okay, now you can go back to sleep. And it loves when I write my dreams down. It really, um, cause here's the thing. You, you can't do anything in life unless you have really good sleep habits. Hmm. And, and that's what I'm realizing. So, and, and I've, I've known that, but <laughs> the Amanita is showing me that on another level. And I just, it, it won't do the work for me, but it's encouraging me. It's giving mm. me the motivation to do the work. That's very profound. That's very profound what you just said. And that's one of the things that I'd like to point out as I, I think I, I know that Roe wants to, to shift into another important question, but I wanted to stop at one, the soul train again, one second, just, just to point out that the idea of, and this is what we were getting into in our last podcast, and this is about the difference between someone who is chasing peak experiences and an individual who is uh, revealing their true nature and in it, in it for a totally different reasoning. And so I love what you said, because a lot of people are taking the plant medicine because they want the plant medicine to do the work. And the same is where people are breathing because they want the breath to do the work, but it's actually the flowing essence that is there to be applied in devotion and alertness towards the, with, you know, un, you know, unbiased awareness flowing and flooding and saturating presence and now. And so I just love what you said about that. And I just wanted to point it out because it's such a defining difference between a lot of people that are chasing peak experiences right now. And even saying that, they're they're looking for their spiritual uh, to engage in a spiritual essence but ultimately they're chasing down the high and chasing down the high and then they get back down off of the high and they look through the window and they're like i need to get back in the window and now i got to go take that stuff again and so i just yeah. i just wanted to point out that it was just really key how you mentioned you weren't saying absolutely the mushrooms doing this it's like no it's opening up and uh you know removing some of the rigidness so that I can yeah. come forward, right? But I, I yeah. do want to say one thing really quick about Amanita that is kind of mind-blowing. Um, it, it's so, so while everything has chi in it, Amanita has a ton of kundalini energy in it. And I mean a lot. And I've never experienced this, not through ayahuasca, not through cannabis, nothing. Like that stuff can give you some power, sure. This well, you will feel the kundalini energy running through your body when you wake up. It tons of sexual energy comes from this plant. And it's like it's like nothing I've ever experienced before. But even even so, I still got to do the work myself. Like it now I uh, I used to just do my jogging at like noon and like slowly get up. Now when I get up from an Amanita trip, I'm like uh, up eight in the morning, rah, and really getting that kundalini energy flowing like it. Yeah. But it's, um, yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Beautiful. I, uh, I just want to uh, ask a, a question to potentially go to the other topic because we have many in line. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, we, we are, I, I find it really interesting, the whole chanting while living these experiences. I think it uh, helps focusing attention. It helps breathing. It helps in many ways, even vocalizing the you know the 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 vocals and 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 that type of thing. I, I so I love that concept. And at the same time, we are very into 
uh, knowing and peeling the uh, GNM or Germanic New Medicine. And there's, I just want to bring up this uh, this uh, piece of um, information that that we've been learning there, which is the the, the song that Dr. Hammer wrote, uh, and this is the main student mansion, uh, or it's pronounced. Yeah, someone someone like will pronounce it right, but we won't. Go on. And uh, this this um, song, it's like a magical song that that you put in the background while, while you're sleeping or while you're doing whatever you're doing. And so the question, I guess, for both of you is, does this make sense when one is opening up to their unconscious mind with or without these mushrooms, that something happens? So that the chanting and the song, what's the correlation between these, these two things that really generate magic in, in one's experience? Well... Who's who? You want to go first, brother, or you want me to hop in? Hop in, hop I'm, in. I'll I'm, I'm, I'm live on this one. Um, I'd I'd like to point out that we, when we reveal frequency, when we understand the 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 paradigm here of all is frequency here, all is uh, sound waves. Everything here is this. This is all about the sine wave here, and so when it comes to, for example. When you're doing mantra and you're using sacred vowel sounds and you're making these utterances, what's happening is, is that you are toning and vocalizing. And so since this is an instrument, and I know that we'll probably hop on that too because we got some musicians in the house. This is an instrument that we occupy. And so when we start to use different uh, resonant frequencies within this instrument, we can, A, obviously unlock latent technologies. But we're also appropriating ourselves to certain living vibrancies, certain like catching a wave. You start, you know, Om Namah Shivaya, and you start going with that five element uh, Shiva Mantra, and you start to notice that you are co connecting and calling through the elements, and you're getting through this. So it's like you're calling upon the conditions and so you're, 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 it's like the law of vibration and affinity where I'm se I send out a vibration and it's connected and it's connecting to and, and resonating with its like vibrations. And so, you know, with, with different levels of mantra, this is known to be vocal technology. You've got the throat is the, you know, you've got the throat, the creative centers, the sexual creative center and the throat center are both creative centers. And so by using the throat and toning and working with the instrument, you are appropriating your vibratory system and through affinity to, you know, different, you're, you're moving through different frequency band, you're moving through different states. That's how I would at least express from this end a little bit about it. Yeah. Interesting. Eric, as a musician, and uh, as you have mentioned, the chanting is really important in this process. What would you have to say about it? One, uh, one thing that I've realized um, only in the past couple years is that when you chant, not only are you bringing in particular energies depending on what you're saying and what you're feeling, but you're helping your mind focus is another thing that I found really cool. And it's like a precursor to meditation proper. So meditation proper basically means letting go or dhyana, but it also means that you can focus on one thing without letting your mind wander. So I feel like when, when I have started doing more chanting 
just e even when I'm do it silently, but I can still feel it running through my body, even though I'm not saying it out loud sometimes. Um, that that is that has allowed me to go lucid in my dreams at night, which is showing me that like how powerful it is to chant. And I I love how you said uh, Om Namah Shivaya is five, you know, has to do with the five elements. That's so accurate. And I've I've said Om Namah Shivaya for five minutes before going to sleep, and it made me lucid immediately. Mm. And it wasn't it was because I was focusing, but I also believe it very much had that Shiva energy mm -hmm. who was like helping me wake up. Yes. In my, spiritual experience i just had i just had you know what this is i i just love all the correlations because this morning i uh i rolled in here early this morning and had a session beach session that i do on tuesdays with a client one-on-one -on -one private session in the in a beautiful private beach temple that we have in, in this this beautiful area in the beach and we uh for some reason today i felt moved to impart uh, and get my client to re-impart the, uh, you know, this tradition, the Om Namah Shiva tradition and said, look, I'm going to guide you to absorb the elements. And, and it was just like, let's just take a ride on it and play with this mantra for five minutes straight, five plus. Well, this is a, this individual and uh, you know at some point he's going to hear this podcast and he's going to come and say wow this is so profound because this was the, the today and i've been working with this client for some years today was a very profound gateway that he found to lucidity through the mantra this morning uh, uh, this morning at 7 wow. a.m that happened today and so cool. this so is an individual exactly who went through it and because i've had very profound experiences on mantra and I've, i mean i i remember years back i'd be sitting there sweating for hours my kids and my wife would come and i'm just in my, in my little temple and i'm sweating and i've literally been going for hours because i'm just ecstatic and completely you know in complete flow so anyway i just i love what you said about it man yeah. i'm getting the so it's not only about uh going into amanita and some other beautiful plant medicines, but also integrating chanting, which is really important to really take the powers of, of these plants. And uh, mm -hmm. now that we're talking about music, uh, I'm interested, uh, Eric, could you share with our audience a little bit about your music career? Uh, I understand you you have a band. Uh, tell us a little bit about it. So I went to school um, here in Los Angeles uh, to be an audio engineer. So my background is is learning understanding frequency and uh i have a couple of different projects i have a, a psychedelic jam band we're called space x force but we we are improv rock but we're we're very tight improv it's not like loosey goosey so when people hear us for the first time they're like how long have you guys been practicing that song like oh you just watched us create it <laughs> so that's one of my projects <laughs> which i think is really fun um i mean and my drummer cyrus he's he's really great so if I'm with a good drummer, I can just, I can go nuts. Uh, and then I, I do a lot of loop oriented stuff with that. And we play in all 432, which you don't hear a lot of rock bands playing 432, but when you do, it's very special. It's, it's smoother. It's more internal. 440 is distorted and rough. And, uh, and we touched so on, I just, we touched, yeah, I just sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to point out that sure, we, and maybe sure. you're going to do that row. We touched on that with, uh, our brother, Ian Morris, I believe it was number six, uh, podcast yep. six. And, 
we dove into the 440 and 432, and so we're hitting on all cylinders here. So absolutely. So you guys are tuning to 432. You've got your uh, Space Force X, right? And and you guys are you guys go out and perform in the LA area, right? Yeah, yeah. We we've been playing at some festivals and some private gigs and things like that. And, nice. uh, yeah, it's been fun. But and, I have and, another. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, go ahead. So I have this other project um, that I started with my friend Ron John, and uh, Ron John is a famous uh, tea server. He's <laughs> he served tea in and every big festival in California and in the West Coast. Um, so we became really good buddies a few years ago, and and uh, he was staying the night uh, for a few nights, and we were drinking tea, uh, pu'er tea. And Ron John said, "I've been wanting to start a kirtan rock band," and I said, "Say no more, I'm in." let's do this. <laughs> so it's been quite a journey. Um, I, I kind of initiated him into rock and roll and he sort of initiated me into Kirtan. So we, uh, so we have like a small little EP. Uh, it's pretty good, but there's one song on there that, that really opens my heart. And I listen to every day because I don't always make a song and, Oh my God, I love everything I make. Sure. But no, like <laughs> I have this one particular song. We really did a great job on it. And we're kind of like the Nirvana of Kirtan. <laughs> it sort of like sounds like Nirvana Unplugged, but singing Kirtan. And um, again, we're, we're in 432. The uh, uh, We're called Shivambu because because we're all about the Shiva chants. And, and Hanuman is connected to Shiva. So we have this mm -hmm. Hanuman song that... Um, it's it's honestly it's like nothing I've ever heard. It's super simple and straightforward, but it's um it's really magical and I could I could play it for you guys if you want if you want to hear it. Oh, that's amazing, of course. Yeah, please do. getting the flow of the kirtan i mean it's super cool man thank you for sharing brother sure. thanks <laughs> thanks for letting me play it i'm i'm new to the kirtan thing i'm just so excited to hey this is what we're doing nice that's amazing and so i i guess uh, i guess this uh, genre uh, has to do with the, your whole experience not only in the music with the rock and roll but also with uh, testing some some uh, mushrooms and and having some deep experiences no how how do you mm. think it's connected and what's the what what would you say is the benefit that you've gotten out of it? Well, well, I I really like, um, I love I love Sanskrit mantras, and um, so being able to be a part of rock and roll, but but not sing in English and sing in in an, in an ancient language that's bringing ancient healing, self realizing energies is really special to me, and so I I, it's it's incredible to. I feel like English is so lame. <laughs> English is like the slave language, but <laughs> I always say that it's, just, it's pretty low vibe, but here we are. So we're going to embrace it while we're here. Let's do but, our best uh, with it. Let's flood beauty behind it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, to me, English is so funny because there's words like entertainment and government and that, you know, entertainment means to bind the mind and government means to uh, 
mind control. control. Yeah, control the mind. Yeah, I'm just like, what? Come on, guys. Dude, they, what, just... we got a whole podcast on the etymology of words, bro. We're going to have to hop oh, wow. on that. Oh, yeah, we're going to have to hop on cool. an etymology because, man, <laughs> that blows your mind on the English channel, right? What, what else, bro? There, there was something else, bro, that you uh, uh Yes, that you absolutely. And it has to do with the band name. Uh, mm. Heard you said Shibambu. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Shivambu means the water of Shiva. And um, I, I guess that also means drinking your urine. <laughs> so I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but um, I think it's pretty funny to have a band name called Shivambu. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> very taboo, very controversial. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, what's uh, behind it? Like, you know, exactly. I, I, I'm going to, I want to, I'm going to mention something because, you know, I reached out the, the way that I had come into contact with Eric was he was on the Alpha Vedic podcast and uh, I had, it just happened to be one that came across that I saw it and I started watching it and I just felt uh, like a bunch of energetic parallels with Eric. I was just like, <laughs> this is my bro, what's going on? And I reached out to him and I was like, hey, and we just started, we was like, hey, you want to get on a call? And we just started talking and we we're just like, hey, you jam, yeah, I jam. I sent him some jams, he sent me some jams. <laughs> and it's kind of evolved nice. that way. It's really cool. Um, I love how you are integrating this sacred spiritual music with music you love, because I know you love rock music and I know that you're, you know, that you like to, you know, you like to play and perform rock. So bringing the spiritual nature to it is beautiful and profound. Um, and, and as far as Shivambu is concerned, that was another thing that, you know, I've also, you know, uh, I'm an advocate of Shivambu. And, you know, I mean, I, at different times I had gone, you know, years straight, seven days a week on it. So I got mm -hmm. a pretty good mm -hmm. scope of it and aged and all this stuff. But there's a lot of people that still, I think that just even to hear it, I think is just a shock or a surprise, Triggering. right? They're like, what the? And then they're like, that's yeah. waste. What's wrong with you? And once yeah. you start to find out, and you may comment on this, because you, you still have that Shivambu channel on Telegram and stuff? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, so, I've you yeah, know, you're a, helped you, thousands of people heal yeah. incurable stuff. <laughs> so, so imagine that Amazing. we're talking about reintroducing very important kidney filtrate back into the body. But what it seems like mm -hmm. to others is they go, that's disgusting. It's waste. What, yeah. what a disgusting thing. So, um, I know there's, there's printouts that have like hundreds of different components that are profound that are in it. Right. Like, uh, absolutely. What, what Hormones, how, vitamins, nutrients. All, yeah. I mean, all the things. So, so what would you what, comment you know, on? What, what helps me? Yeah. What, what, um, <clears throat> you know, I've, I've definitely have like, told people about Shivambu who were like, Ooh, gross, you know, but I, I haven't lost any friends from talking about it, <laughs> only gained some, but I think what really shifts people's consciousness, if you, if they're open to listening, cause some people don't even want to listen. They just say, no, thanks. That's gross. Bye. I don't want to hear it. But some people are like, well, what you got? Explain to me why it's okay to do. Amniotic fluid is 70% urine. We're all saying that now. It's a, it's a fact. So every human being has grown in their own pee. And once <laughs> you wrap your head around that, you know, uh, it makes sense. Some people say, uh, you wouldn't eat your poop, would you? Well, we're not grown in poop. We're grown in pee. So <laughs> it's completely different, completely different. Yeah. And, um, you know, there are stem cells in urine. And that's also a fact. What's, um, that's a mainstream fact that that's part of the consensus but what's not part of the consensus what we do need to prove is that aged urine 
has significantly more stem cells than uh, fresh urine. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to bring to mainstream science. So that could that might be the easiest thing to look at. Might be the easiest thing to to take some urine, aged urine under a microscope and and look at it and say, mm -hmm. okay, yep, there are more stem more stem cells than than fresh. We so, should get it done. How what yeah, what kind of connections, totally. Ro? We you know Mexico is uh, it, we the beauty of this country is that you know anything that you are looking to connect to or to attain or this is a beautiful country for that. And so potentially yep. we might be able to uh, find out how to get some of this tested. We'd be it'd be pretty profound awesome. that we brought that to the table, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How Let's, many people uh, are ad making questions? How many people mm -hmm. are advertising? I mean, how many people are interested in stem cell? Um, therapy and mm -hmm. how many mm -hmm. companies are coming out with mm -hmm. and bringing these stem cells when you wake up in the morning and you pee out the exact perfect uh, chemically balanced everything is designed and enhanced out of the blood of everything that is uh, the potentials for your body that are flowing within the blood but you're literally peeing out stem cells and then going and spending thousands and thousands of dollars on <laughs> stem cell you know therapy so anyway i think there's something really cool and profound there Definitely. and we can't we can't talk we we can't mention urine without mentioning the amanita urine connection oh. are you guys familiar with this bring it on <laughs> <laughs> please do so um are you guys before i go on have, have you guys are you familiar with the amanita urine connection have you heard any rumors or i i've heard it. On it i've heard of it I've heard of the connection for sure. This is like the uh, this is like a, a, a kind of a, a secret cocktail uh, mixture yes, that you use, and, right? So how does that go? Tell very us about much. it. Well, well, first of all, the um, the rumors. <laughs> I've done some content on this. Uh, the legends and myths. Um, perhaps you've heard of these reindeer who eat amanita, and then the shamans would collect reindeer urine and drink the reindeer urine, mm -hmm. and then feel like they're flying. Mm -hmm. Another Santa Claus parallel. Mm. But and there's also uh, my uncle told me that my my uncle in Sweden, so my mom's brother told me that some of the more primitive Vikings would make their slaves drink, or sorry, make their slaves eat the amanita, and then they would collect their slaves' urine and drink their slaves urine so they didn't have to go through the decarb process. And then another myth is that certain shamans would eat the amanita and they would give the their urine to their followers. But here's the truth. You can just decarb the amanita yourself, drink the amanita tea and then drink your own urine. That's the cocktail. And I've known about that for years. And now that I've been doing it, it's kind of better than I could have ever imagined because I didn't know what it was going to heal. I thought it was just going to be like a psychedelic trip thing. You know, I thought it'd be a new plant medicine to have it teach me something like psilocybin, but it's so different. Again, you know, it's, it's the healing, the sleep, healing the subconscious, empowering me, giving me motivation. I mean, that's the bee's knees of, of all plant medicine, I believe. So yeah, I drink, uh, sure. I drink my Shivambu almost every night when I do, Amanita and I've done Amanita plenty without doing my Shivambu and I've done Amanita plenty with and when you do it with it's way better It's you get your DNA you get the muscamol super bioavailable you sleep deeper you wake up more motivated helps your digestive system it's it's profound to say the least hmm. so that's you know it, you it's it's a ritual you know decarbing it and then drinking your pee that that's a ritual it's not just you you don't just munch down amanita you have to like literally know what you're doing 
And, uh, and again, for me, I started with microdosing and it's highly recommended that if you begin your Amanita journey, you got to start microdosing it. It might be a little too much too fast for some people. And, um, and, and when I began microdosing it, I could immediately feel the effects. I was immediately waking up feeling super motivated, super happy, like I've never felt in my life. And so I'm, uh, I'm grateful. Apart, absolutely. Uh, apart from the, the motivation and high energy, uh, what would you guys say to our audience about the Shibambu benefits? Like, what, I mean, we, we talked about the stem cells and, and these things, but what would be like for ground level understanding of this, the yeah. key pointers? Your immune system works better. <laughs> It just, uh, I used to have allergies my whole life. Uh, and when you start drinking Shivambu, the first thing to go are your allergies. I mean, and that's nothing. So if you just want to be healthier and not get sick, you know, cheers. <laughs> Hop on it. So, and, and I'd like to, I'd like to point out that uh, if we, if we look at, let's look at the properties of water for a sec. Because that's another entire, I mean, that's podcasts, right? Um, yeah. And there's, a, you know, um, uh, Veda Austin, who would be awesome to get her on here one day. She's doing a, a lot of cool stuff where she's flash freezing water and stuff with, you know, uh, Petries with different things. And she's getting this water information, right? So we understand that water is this, is literally this liquid luminescent, uh, you know, living expression. And so... One of the things in, uh, that, that I find really profound about Shivambu is obviously that imagine what level of structuring that has gone through within your system, the, the water structuring. So totally. now, right? So now, and then, and this is another part that I think is profound with it, and, and I know that you do this as well, Eric, is that by setting intention in the Shivambu and by setting intention in your water, you are literally solidifying that you know putting that potential into it and then it's like you're uh, receiving and becoming mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. potential that you are mm -hmm. uh, you know uh, aiming and so i find that for myself i find that shivambu is just it's just profound enough that you could you can't really even imagine how profoundly structured it is to enter into your body in such a significant way and so there's a level of that going on where the body is getting reintroduced to this level of structure and if you're setting intention and you're leaning heart intention into it and then taking it on this is like uh this is like uh, uh pointing at it and then becoming it it's like you know we're gonna first i'm gonna utter it and then i'm gonna become it And, mm -hmm. and, and so it's like, you know, it's about being. And so anyway, I, for, for, I love that aspect of Shivambu wow. that it's, <laughs> no? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love how you put that. You're like blowing my mind right now. <laughs> yeah. That's what utter it does. And then become it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. utter it and becoming, and, 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 you know, the elements, they just are, you know, the earth, water, fire, air, it just, it just is. And, and, uh, and water is so cool because it, it's fluid and it's like, It helps you fluidly become what you would like to become consciously. Mm. So it's uh, it 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 is a it really is the water of Shiva. Mm -hmm. It really is this this giver of life. You know, maybe we should call it um, uh, instead of Shivambu or the she, she instead of water of Shiva, we could also maybe call it the water of Brahma. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, why well, not? We, <laughs> we have touched on on some on some mushrooms, super interesting. 
uh, also the music, uh, the chanting, and all of that uh, frequency. Um, we also touched on Shivambu, but we understand that Yurik have uh, also good experience in terms of uh, that, that's why someone would call you the Swedish Iceman. Mm, I, that's, I, I, that. I, I hope that there's others. I'm sure there's got to be others calling you that, brother. And we're going to call the <laughs> call our listeners after this. We're going to uh, have Eric in the show notes we're going to have so that you can check out his Insta and check out his YouTube and all these things. That's one of the uh, awesome things about Eric is that he has such a... Uh, just you have a dynamic way of expression and you got some really cool and funky stuff going on with how you share what you're doing and, and you know, so I love all that. So we definitely want to share some of that so people can catch up with some of those things. One of the things that uh, that we also w- wanted to point out because people will be able to see it, but you were in Sweden because you've got family in Sweden and so this is kind of like an annual passage where you go to Sweden and do your thing, right? Well, yeah. you were full on Iceman, bro. So tell us a bit about... <laughs> You know, your your whole, as we say, ice is so hot these days. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's It has, uh, uh, well, like Wim Hof, I didn't get into the ice until my wife passed away six years ago. And that was, uh, you know, it was, it, was, it was difficult to say the least. And and while I had, I, I understood rebirthing, I, um, something called me to the ice. It just said, you need, you need to do this. And, uh, and, and when I started doing the ice, I could function, I could get through my day at least. And I was, I was really bummed out. And, and the more I kept doing it, I felt a level of healing from the ice that I've felt from nothing else. And, you know, I'm also a cancer survivor. So I, I lost my left testicle to cancer because I couldn't figure out holistic healing when I was 10. You as well? Huh? Another parallel. <laughs> so, Bro, there's so, a ton. Uh, wow. Well, so when I started doing the ice, I, I like to say it turned my remaining ball into Super Bowl. And I was like, <laughs> In the Germanic, like, wow. you'd find out that, you're, that you grew the, your testosterone is all boosted up because of, uh, of loss, because of loss. And so, you know, that's a, that's a loss expression of the body from ob- the wow. obvious opportunities, brother. There's a huge... Yeah. When you yeah, said that, I and did. by the way, when you said that, and I just, please, um, you know, you mentioned you lost your wife and now I'm just, I'm feeling very um, deeply moved by the different layers that you bring and the different things that you've been through. And, and so I just want to touch on that and, and, and tell you that from an open heart. That's such a huge, uh, you know, I, I can't, I have, I mean, I'm married. I have a wife. Rose got a wife. I can't... Um, you know, align so much with that experience, but wow, that's super profound, brother. I think there's a huge more conversation that I don't think will fit in this podcast, but man, you got to yeah. come back on here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't been to, I, I definitely like, I'm very vulnerable in person. Like when I meet people, I have no problem telling them what I've been through and everything, but I haven't really spoken about her passing uh, online very much. I, I mention it here and there, but I definitely, you know, I, she's not going to die in vain, so to speak. And, and we, her and I, uh, Cassie, we, we have a really profound story and I mean, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. And, um, and I wouldn't know about a lot of this stuff. If it wasn't for her. And, and I also sort of introduced her to certain spiritual topics and then she really expanded on them. And, 
when her and I first started meditating, she became psychic almost immediately. And when I say psychic, I mean, she could close her eyes and go right into a wake induced lucid dream and channel everything from the dead to past lives to future events to deities, whatever. And, um, and, and I, I, I couldn't do it like on her level, which was really interesting. Um, but, um, over the, so, so when she passed away and then she, you know, became a spirit, then, then with all the meditation stuff that her and I did, then it, it really, how do I say this? Um, it, I, like I had to use the spiritual techniques that we learned together in order for me to contact her or mm-hmm. for her to contact me actually, because she would always be trying like that first month was crazy. And I could like feel her next to me after she passed. And if I would just like shut up and close my eyes and just relax for a second and then poof, she'd pop up like a genie and she would just start talking to me like, Hey, let me help. I'm going to help you with everything. Cause this is hard. And, um, and she did. And it was wild. And her, her spirit could even contact friends of mine, which I always found really, really cool. And she would like, her spirit would contact me and, and a friend simultaneously, which I always thought was like pr- pretty gnarly. And, um, and yeah, she was, she was a sweetheart. And, um, but she also like all of our ancestors, ironically, they don't want us to be sad, you know? And I cried so much and I was, it was beyond heartbroken, but it was like, she was like, okay, you're going to learn breath work. You're going to teach breath work. You're going to internally become authentically happy so you can show other people how to do that. And um, I was like, okay, <laughs> it's going to take a while. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I've just been going on the path. And I've just been, just keep going, you know, and, and finding happiness and finding deep spiritual understanding of why she passed. And, and it, it all, it really all goes back to the birth trauma and childhood stuff. And, and I'm reading these uh, Leonard Orr books, you know, and and Leonard Orr is, is he's all about the birth trauma and mm-hmm. and 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 trauma, you know. And he, he used um, to, he used to uh, he used to do the bath side uh, with his with with people. He'd do full on breathe breath rebirthing yeah. beside them in the bathtub for hours. I, no? I, I do it totally. Totally. You do no, that too. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> yep. So I I was um, so. Um, I just got to tell the story really quick. So when Cassie had breast cancer and, and it was about maybe the last year of her life and she, she got really concerned. And, um, and so what she did was she humbled herself to God and she said, God, I don't know what to do. Please send me a sign. So this piece of trash blew up on our driveway and Cassie normally would pick up trash. And she said, Oh, I'll just leave that there and get it in the morning. <laughs> so we go to bed and we wake up in the morning and that piece of paper had blown up on our doorstep. And she's like, oh, there's that piece of trash I didn't pick up. And so she opens the door, looks at this piece of paper, and it's a flyer for a breathwork class. And the guy on the flyer is uh, my teacher now, Mahesh, and his teacher was Leonard Orr. So we, so Cassie showed me this flyer. She's like, oh, this landed on our doorstep. I think we're supposed to go. And I looked at it, said, yeah, <laughs> looks good to me. Let's do it. And um, even though the breathwork didn't, you know, save her physical life, it definitely help the the death process Mm. it helped her move out a lot of stuff before she transitioned and i i watched it happen so so she went to study at hadi khan ashram solo about a year before she passed and um and and that's where leonard Orr hung out with this guy hadi khan babaji who says he's mavatar babaji in a different Mm -hmm. body and, and i believe it i subscribe to that 
Um, is this in then, the south then, in India? It's no, it's in the Himalayas. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Hadi Khan Ashram. Mm -hmm. um, it's really cool. So, so two years after, so so she went and studied there, and then and then after she passed away, I went to go study there, kind of full circle thing, and and uh, it was it was so profound and beautiful, and and to be where she was, and to be where Leonard Orr was, and to be at Hadi Khan Babaji's ashram, it was it was insanely healing, and Cassie Spirit of course comes to me and you know, and sort of blesses me and says, okay, you're going to teach this to people and be sure to do it plenty yourself. Don't fall into the guru trap and just teach. You have to do the practice yourself. Yeah, I know, I know. And, um, and, and so that's where I learned five element breath work. So that's doing rebirthing either buried in the ground up to your neck, doing it in a warm bathtub, which is really gnarly. or doing it next to a fire, which is something I need. It's, it's one really of my great. faves by the fire. Huge. Me, me too. <laughs> Breathwork next to a fire is is my cloud nine. Oh yeah, it's the ultimate drug, if you will. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's. I mean, breathwork is blissed out, and just sitting next to a fire is blissed out. So those two things combined, it it's really, it's really awesome. And when I facilitate people um, next to a fire, I tell people, okay, when you go under, when you start doing the breathing, you can ask ask the fire any question, and it will give you the answer. And people are all kind of uh, skeptical. Oh, okay, yeah, we'll see. And then once they go, they come out an hour and a half later, and they say, so, did the fire give you the answer? 100% of the time, they're always like, oh, yeah, yeah, it did. They're just like processing it, like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's pretty cool. And then you can also do breath work um, in a hammock, which is really good for like religious trauma, or if you really want to float and connect to the ethers, um, anything that, that has you suspended. Mm. And, and if you do breath work that way, it's, it's also really cool. Oh, wow. Very interesting. I like <laughs> that. The hammock style. I like that. The suspended. Yeah, yeah. That's very interesting. I think that's, uh, I mean, we, we are almost running out of time, but oh. you know, this conversation has been oh. so, uh, amazing and rich with many topics. Uh, most probably you need to jump in another one. Mm. No. Oh no, we have Sign to for up. sure. I'll, I'll come back anytime. Oh, where, wow, where are we amazing. at, Ro? Are we got to go into the into the <laughs> nuggets. I mean, I feel like we've been yeah. laced in nuggets here, and we have more things that we wanted to touch. But if we're running out, we're running out. But that just sounds like part two's got to come up soon. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to talk more about deities and lucid dreaming and visualization, but we can save that for next time because I got plenty more I'd, I'd love well, to share. Let's do that. Let's do one pretty yeah. quick here. Actually, let's roll into it because I think that's a that's a big one these days. There's a lot of people that wanna that wanna learn and, and connect to that. So let's hop on another one and do that. And and Absolutely. why don't we mention real quick before we turn to the nuggets? Can you touch on the uh, on Cocoa Bear for a sec? Because you're drinking it. I would love it. to. Does Ro know about you. this? Please, <laughs> let us know about it. Huh? What is that? This, this is really exciting. So I'm a partner with this company called Cocoa Bear, and this is the first ever flash frozen coconut. So normally, if you try to freeze a coconut, they explode. And normal coconuts also have a two to three week shelf life. By the time you get them, they're rotten, fermented, and moldy unless you get it right off the tree. And they've also lost like half of the nutrients. So um, my friend, Torin, who started the company, he's the first person to freeze a coconut um, without them exploding. And that gives the coconuts a two-year shelf life in a freezer or 30-day shelf life in a fridge. So we're also doing what's really interesting. We're the first people to do like sort of a, a hybrid freezing job. So usually if you freeze a product and then you sell it frozen, 
or if you refrigerate a product, then you sell it refrigerated. So we're freezing this two days after harvest, shipping it around the world frozen. And then when the grocery stores get it, they defrost it and you get it freshly thawed out. So it's like getting it right off the tree. We're in uh, Air One, which is a grocery store here in Los Angeles, <clears throat> and we just got into Whole Foods. Wow, So I was congrats. part of the whole Whole Foods logistics uh, shipping experience. And uh, we're going to be just in the Whole Foods in California as of right now. And uh, it's going to continue to grow. And I'm really excited for this. And I'm, I'm really grateful to be part of this innovative project. And there's I've already got like you know, celebrities drinking it and, you know, important people. Yeah, whatever. It's all um, <laughs> social media marketing's all new to me. Jeez Louise. But um, how cool, man. But it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun to that to, could be the uh, that might be the official beverage of sacred dynamics as well. It's just a beauty. <laughs> Ooh, I mean, we're, I love that. you know, we're pulling them off the trees down here. I mean, I just yeah. got them falling yeah, out of my yard. I'm laying there and all of a sudden, you know, it come, drops back. Good thing you're not in the hammock at that moment because yeah. one of those babies <laughs> comes down for you. Um, Wow, man. <laughs> We sure have had a ride so far, and it just feels so good. And um, I'm so grateful that you uh, joined us for this, Brother Eric. You're absolutely a champion, and I'm so grateful for you. And it's a long time coming um, that we got a chance to do this together, and there's just so much more. And I know that we're going to have a lot of listeners who want to hear more about it and want to hear more about what you're doing. And so, you know, we're going to tie some of that into show notes. And this is kind of the part where we touch on some of the nuggets maybe Ro you want to touch on some of the nuggets maybe I'll bring one up and we're just going to start transitioning uh, absolutely out of this profound call absolutely I mean I think uh, nuggets were all around the call but just to mention a couple I think that you know we talked about the Kundalini awakening and and how that might be perceived in different ways which is super interesting uh, also, we talked about the breath work and how the breath work is definitely the bridge. We've talked about that in, in other uh, episodes of the podcast and confirming it once again. Uh, of course, we talked about uh, mushrooms. We touched on psilocybin and the Amanita Mascarilla, which seems like uh, don't uh, don't waste more time and, and just get on it. Get on it. No? Type <laughs> yes. thing. So thanks for sharing read all of my that. Mind. <laughs> all of that information um also you know the we went into the chanting and the music and how all the frequency that it's all around us at, at every moment it's super important to to integrate it in, into the practice and into the you know the different modalities that one is experiencing um we talked about shibambu which also was really interesting and uh hope hopefully our audience uh, got the chance to to listen to this information and open up to it you know uh, listen not with your mind but with your heart and mm. potentially you will find some some good answers and you know as they say there's no better way to to understand it than by trying it so you know uh, that that's like a call out for for our audience and uh I, I, I just want to mention that, you know, for know, uh, knowing that we're going to jump in another conversation, um, you talked about the immune system, and uh, that probably is uh, a topic that we should jump mm -hmm. into and, uh, in another uh, episode, because, you know, there's some contrasting opinions regarding the immune system and the GHK, which we are uh, understanding and, and, and 
you know, putting forward. So that might be a, a topic to to jump in, but we'll leave it for the next uh, episode. And uh, yeah, I mean, those those were the the nuggets for me. And uh, I'm gonna try to to you know put the the uh, the piece of the song into the the episode so that it you know. Oh yeah, let's should. do that, Ro. Let's get the engineers to tie it in there. That's beautiful. And also, cool. brother, um, m- both my brothers, brother Eric. We have so many parallels. It is so timely that we got on this. I'm so grateful for this. I have a feeling there's more collaboration. I have a feeling that we're going to do some stuff. Um, you know, we've got some ideas for live events. We got different things coming. So I think that there's more beautiful things to come for us. Um, and uh, you know, uh, it, there's there's one other thing that as you went through it, Ro, there was one little sweet touch point that I also wanted to just to point out with that what we had done throughout this conversation is that we seem to have continued to follow a certain line where you could take that line as a nuance where in one direction you are in devotion in the appropriation of your natural in your nature and that you are leaning into your conscious evolution and that you are and that's one that and then it can be so slight that the other nuance is that all of a sudden you are expecting the mushrooms to do it and that you are the, uh, you know, that you now all of a sudden that you are the, uh, let's say, the lost one in the storm and that you're chasing experiences and that, and it's just this fine nuance. And I think that you'll find that that nuance is in the heart. And most people are, you know, appropriating a lot of attention towards the intellect and towards the, you know, to mentally, cogni- uh, you know, using cognition to, uh, to kind of... Um, uh, as they're uh, leaning on cognition, mental cognition and things as their reality. And yet we need to get into the formless and loosen up and surrender and get back into some of the, you know, as uh, as Eric mentioned, the whole rebirthing thing. We also want to get back on that on our next call. I want to get back into rebirthing a bit and talk about Leonard Orr a bit and just re- going back into revisit some waves that we need to complete our surf on you know, in, in yeah. the energy. So I just want to mention that because I, I can feel that that's going to be another significant point. And also that uh, we have so many alignments, Eric, to the point where it's like, oh, you had the, the Kundalini. I mean, it's not that many people that I, that I, you know, that I get to encounter that have gone through the Kundalini experience. So you got that, you got the, we're like, hey, left testicle check. Yeah, you lost that one. Yeah, I lost that one. Okay. Um, well, you're doing the breast work. So we could just keep going and going and going. So I know that there's a lot more for us on this, uh, on this highway. So I just, I just, I'm so grateful, brother. I'm so grateful. Thank you for being here with us, huh? Thank you for seeing me. Oh, you're seen, brother. Indeed. You are. You are indeed. seen. Indeed. Definitely. Jay, do you want to mention a little bit about the mastery school? Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, as I love to, uh, as I love to express, you know, the mastery school, sacred mastery school, we're coming up, uh, on March 1st is going to be the kickoff for some more, uh, some more of the mastery school. And the mastery school is really our sacred dynamics. It's our ability and our gratitude to be able to use self mastery and ultimately to bring realization and to flow it and weave it within one's living experience and to, learn to uh, release from all of these different levels of diminished returns from the uh, illusion and start to circulate that energy and start to fill our cup. And so the Sacred Mastery School is an infusion of this sacred path and the guidance to reveal and embody. And so, you know, the all aspects of one's life are blessed by this work. 
And so, you know, we've been, uh, we're going to have March, we're going to be launching our uh, affiliation course. We're going to be launching a new affiliation course. We're going to go into the new revised version of the courses coming out. Um, and so there's a lot of evolution to Sacred Mastery School. And so look for it. Um, we're going to be reaching out and sharing this. You know, we've, we've had a really great response from it. And so the universe is supporting this. And so we're moving forward with that. And it's interesting that we may have some collaborations in the future through Sacred Mastery School, where we could bring, a, a, you know, a, a guest practitioner to come in and be a part of it and bring some really cool aspects and pieces to it. So we're also looking to do that. So, um, you know, I would say probably, what would it be a, a couple of weeks after this episode launches, basically, we'll be starting back into our Sacred Mastery School. So yep. look out for it. Stay tuned for it. Um, really grateful. Really grateful as well. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you uh, very much, Eric. And uh, we'll see you soon. I mean, we, we won't say goodbye as of now, but we'll, because we know that we're going to jump into another one of these pretty yeah, soon. Thank you, Ro. This is, uh, this is my favorite podcast I've ever done. So awesome. awesome. That was fun. Wow. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Uh, well, dear sacred souls, thank you very much for connecting. And of course, if you are moved by this, please share this work with your loved ones, your family, your friends, and please contact us uh, through our Instagram channel at Sacred Dynamics with 1D, or visit our website in sacreddynamics.com, 1D, or you can join our Telegram channel as well in Sacred Dynamics 1D. You will find all the links in the show notes. Indeed. And we're going to put Eric's links in there too. So that AquarianAlchemy.org, we're going to get those links in there so that people can check out and be able to connect to you as well, brother. Thank you for listening to the cool. Sacred Dynamics podcast. Thank you, brother Eric. Thank you, brother Roe. Until next time, stay connected through conscious breath and grounded presence. Namaste. Namaste. Namaste, brothers. <laughs>